Hello, magic seekers. You are listening to the Little Scraps of Magic podcast, where you're invited to journey to the depths of your soul in search of pleasure, peace, truth, and grit. Here, you'll go within as you listen to conversations, meditations, and life lessons that will guide you back to your power, help you regulate your nervous system, and remind you that magic is real. I'm your host, Steph Traska, a life and embodiment coach, energy worker, mom of two crazy little boys, and at my core, a wild earth goddess. Whether you're in an energetic space of power and joy, or you're feeling shattered and stuck, it's my mission to nourish you back to your divine wholeness so that you step into your day and life with deep trust and an open heart. Now take a cleansing breath and open yourself up to receive today's little scrap of magic. Anything you want to do. Hello, loves, and welcome back to another episode of the Little Scraps of Magic podcast. I have with me today one of my best friends and a local Clevelander, well, for now at least. (laughs) She's not from Cleveland, but she's here now. (laughs) But I happily welcome to the show Bianca Liamora. She is a photographic artist and a sacred vision coach with a focus on conscious creation. She's also a mama of two little boys. An HSP, which is highly sensitive person, somewhat like myself and my boys, (laughs) and an NLP practitioner. So welcome, Bianca. So happy to have you here chatting by the light of the moon. (laughs) Thank you so much. I am so honored and excited to be here on your delicious show. I know we are going back and forth quite a bit about whether we should record tonight because... We both spend many, many, many of our hours with our little guys, and that can take a toll or it can just mesh and melt into what is supposed to be our sacred time, our alone time, our work time. And so we were teetering, Mm -hmm. and I'm really glad that we both found it within ourselves to show up and... Oh, just talk because that's what we're going to do. We're just going to have this beautiful time together to talk about things that matter and some things that don't. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I did when you had offered to I was thinking when you had offered like it, even up to the minute before, like if it's, you know, just let me know. And I'm like, oh, I just it's the most refreshing thing I've ever heard in my life. Like it's like, can we all just get on board? Like anytime someone flippantly calls someone flaky or whatever, can we all just admit it's because that we really wish that we could act in our truest, highest good so that we could show up better for other people instead of being like, oh, it's unprofessional. Oh, that word gets me. I know. (laughs) I am so with you. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's what I said when I boxed you back. I was like, I just know you mean that. Like, it's not just, you know, oh, it's just the best, the best. Yeah. Well, it's like we really should be able to live with that permission in our lives of we we are called to perform so often and we are called to take care of and to nurture and to do so many things that to have moments of permission to check in with yourself and be like, is this of service to me? Like, yeah, it's on my calendar. Yeah, I did commit to it. I'm supposed to do it. 
But is it going to break me to do this today? Because we make so many decisions, I feel like, that just break us, you know, like little things like, oh, it wouldn't be too much. Oh, I can manage this hour. I can manage this 20 minutes. I can do this one last thing. And like over and over again, we don't choose ourselves and it wears on us. Oh, and it it impacts everything. It's a snowball effect and it just gets bigger and bigger. And then your whole life is like, how did I get here? How, how did I get here? It's all like all those micro decisions, like not choosing yourself over and over again, that all of a sudden you become lost in it. It's just it's so it's so important to find. And that's and that's what's so funny, too, is we do that and then it becomes too big and overwhelming to be like we can stop it. Yet the reason why we but there is from just the tiniest little moments um, so we could regain our power in any moment. Mm hmm. Yeah. I feel like this is a perfect segue. You know, we we copped on here unsure of exactly the topic because there's so much goodness that we we just have a lot of overlap. <laughs> we have a lot in common. We see things so similarly. Um, and so I know we didn't like totally select a theme. But one of the things that you mentioned has been really potent for you lately and really present in your life is seeing the dark side of our gifts. So those things that are so important to us, that really matter to us, that light us up, that are our treasures in our life also have a dark side. They're also exhausting. They're also overwhelming. They're also life-sucking <laughs> leeches. <laughs> 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 well, they're also they're little people, children. <laughs> um, but it just feels like a perfect connection to actually get into that conversation now as we're talking about choosing ourselves or not choosing ourselves, of feeling our energy and being authentic to it or not being true to it. So I would love to just open the floor for you right now to do some venting or some processing or whatever of some of those darker moments that have been seeping into your veins and your life lately that might make you feel like a shitty person, but absolutely do not, right? They make you human and they make you having a human experience and a life here. Yeah, it's 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 just so funny. Like I that one of the first things I think about is how, you know, just through the pictures I take and how I believe like that my work in taking pictures in other people's families is the thing that like really helps me remember 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 how to see my own family in that way um it's like I do but more often than not I'm not taking those pictures of them every single day I choose to most of the time use my um, cell phone camera at home for me at the end of the day it's really not about the performance of even making the beautiful picture even though I love making beautiful pictures it really truly is that like acknowledgement that reverence that gratitude that you're showing by just picking up whatever it is and taking the picture of all of that that happens in the experience of the witnessing and whatever is the thing that actually means something you know it's i it, you can get good at anything so i, I just I, I, the beautiful pictures don't really um, cut it for me anymore. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just a weird thing to say, uh, but I really, really, really feel that. And um, that kind of started a while back when I realized that I would be seeing all of these really beautiful moments in my home. 
I just didn't have like the energy to like go get my camera. And not only that, that and then now that I have two kids, the emotional stamina, it's like I'm too exhausted by the beauty of it sometimes too. It's I don't even want to participate. It was like the first time I flew to uh, California and we drove down the 101. And at a certain part, I was like nauseous. I'm like, this is too beautiful. I don't even know. I can't look anymore. I feel sick. I feel sick. It's just like so much. And I think especially as an HSP, like having that sensory awareness when that comes into play, where it truly is like impact to your nervous system on top of all of the deeper meanings and all of the knowing of how fleeting it is and all of the like I'm touched out and burnt out, but also understand how I'm so lucky that I get to be touched out is such a privilege. And that's what's such a mind fuck about it because it's so shaming and also innocent. And of course, right? Like all of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I want to interject, too, for anyone listening who is not aware of what an HSP is. I might have mentioned in my intro with Bianca that it's a highly sensitive person. But to give a little background on that, so about 20% of the population is HSP or highly sensitive person. And you're born with this trait or you're not. It's not something that you develop over time. It's not something that you catch. It's something that you are born with. <laughs> and highly sensitive people... I mean, we all it's like on a continuum. And so you might experience certain parts of being HSP and not others. But where Bianca is referring to like the beauty being sickening and the overwhelm of like every little detail that's just screaming at you to be witnessed and then to be documented or memorialized or whatever. It's like that's part of being an HSP is like we see and I'm an HSP as well. So we see and we feel every vibration and every detail and every feeling of our lives so incredibly deeply. Mm -hmm. uh, and most of us grew up being just called overly sensitive. And so we carry a lot of shame in our hypersensitivity and our hyper awareness of everything, the smell of something, the touch of your child, a view that you take in, like it's magnified so, so much. I think also I the one of the reasons why I has like jokingly looked into it to begin with when I heard like, oh, he just was probably me. And then I read the checklist and I was like, Jadosh, like, oh my God. Yes. It's not just being emotionally sensitive. It's also, and I think this is where um oftentimes people could like glaze over it and not really realize and like grasp the healing that's available to them how if they knew. But sensory like let's just take out the emotion part sensory like uh if if you feel like really weird in grocery stores with fluorescent lights like mm -hmm. there for so much of my life i'll have been like with my one of my bestest friends eating a delicious lunch and all of a sudden i start feeling anxiety and panic and i'm like why i'm with someone i totally trust and love this food is delicious what is wrong with me and then i start to panic like what's wrong with me it gets worse and now i'm like oh it's a little loud in here. That lighting is weird and it's triggering me. That's okay. I'll just get up. It's just so mind shattering and life altering for me to just know, oh, okay. Like I understand this now. Like I can, I can harness it better. Yes. And I, I was the same. I am the same. And I, I do struggle with anxiety and depression, but the more I'm learning about HSP and I'm learning more now because 
at least my older son, Bruce, is HSP. I'm sure that Everett is too, but Bruce, um, it's it's loud in our lives right now. And we are getting ready to send him to a new school next fall. And so we're already starting the processes of like how to prepare him for a big change, a big transition, how to help him cope with his big feelings when he's in school for a longer day. And, you know, we're not just receiving him after a couple of hours out in the forest as we do now. Um, but I I'm reading more about it now and I'm realizing yeah, I've struggled with anxiety and depression, but I think that a lot of my anxiety was actually is or was due to my sensitivity. Because like you, I remember when Mike and I lived in Denver for a couple of years, it started was happening there really frequently. But I would we'd go out to a restaurant, like a chill, casual place, food that I love, one person that I trust mm-hmm. that I'm comfortable with. And I would start getting this like tightening in my throat where I can't swallow. Yeah. I would. Oh, my gosh. Me, too. I would spit out my food. Yes. Just because yes. I thought I was choking. Into your napkin. <laughs> totally. Me, too. And I was like, I got to like drink a little water. And I couldn't even drink the water. And like once I got out of the space, I'd be like, I'm sorry, we have to get our check. He'd be like, go wait outside. Like we knew I wasn't sick, but like, yep. And I just thought this is anxiety and it could be paired with but it is. It's like, the, are the lights weird? I remember being at a restaurant another time and the candles were flickering. And then there was this dim but overhead lighting. And the way that that interacted, I just, same thing. I just couldn't really handle myself and I couldn't swallow and I couldn't chew my food. And then we start like turning to things I did, at least in those years of just like, OK, just like dull it down with like extra wine so that you dull your senses. Right. And this, I feel like what we're talking about. Which is actually so smart because we didn't cognitively know. But that's really smart. Like, probably not the most sustainable, great practice, but it's actually very relevant to what was happening. It's true, right? (laughs) It was dulling the sensory experience. But like this is too, HSP being a highly sensitive person is a gift that we possess, right? We can see it. It is a gift. We don't have to see it as something that is hindering us in some way. But there are these dark sides to all of our gifts, this included, right? Yeah. I mean, everything, even at ADHD or... We're both ADHD. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, I can I am so grateful for that, that, and I just recently in recent in life have realized that I am, but because it's like, I know because of that, I could, there's not even an option for me to end up snowballing into a life that I and not interested in because I can't yeah. even read a sentence that I don't care about. It's like my body's defense mechanism for aligned living. Great. <laughs> it reminds me when you said that of Mike, when he was a kid, his mom, my husband, he, I know you know that, but listeners, my husband, Mike, he um, was grocery shopping with his mom and he wanted a, a candy bar. And she was like, no, you know, she set the boundary. And then he did like the limp body move. Like he just went limp. And he was like seven. He was oh. big enough that it was difficult to maneuver. Around. And so she had to like drag him out of the store. I don't even know how it all ended. But I just have this image of him, like his tongue going out <laughs> of his face. And like, this, like what you said about reading it. You can't read a sentence yeah. that doesn't. um you know, that you don't understand or that isn't interesting to you and that doesn't vibe with you. Just gave me that image of you just going limp body, like not getting my candy bar. I'm done. Shut down. Shut down. Yeah. 
Yeah. Have you, well, do you want to talk about ADHD at all or no? Because I feel like that is, can be a gift, right? There's like, I, all- yeah, I think so. It's right. such a recent development. It's just kind of like, an, it's another layer, just like HSP. It's another layer of like reading, reading that the self-discovery is really something that's been like, ever since like I got laid off a few years ago from my full-time job and I just decided, oh, never again am I <laughs> going to, you know, devote that much of and live my life in that way and then get blindsided like that. By creating my own business, I ended up in this like self-discovery just boot camp of fire hose sorts um, of just like rediscovering who I actually am and really am and remembering all the things that like I've forgotten because of yeah. society and all of that. And it, yeah, the ADHD thing is just another thing to put in your head. Oh, yeah. OK. Like, I understand why some people might not struggle here. And I do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even when it comes to like household stuff, me folding a basket of laundry is the most torturous thing I could do. Meanwhile, you put on a movie and my partner's like happier than a clam. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Like it doesn't make sense for me to do it. Like mm-hmm. if it causes me this much angst yeah. and you're just so neutral about it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And and then I have like girlfriends that are like, he folds the laundry. Are you kidding me? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> no, of course. Why? It makes sense. Like, I don't know. I just think that this, this, wave of self-discovery and this just deeper understanding of ourselves it just helps us make more informed intentional decisions about the way we live our lives like we don't even have to like turn our lives upside down it's just like this very quiet elegant like knowing that we now have that we can live from of like oh okay and it's not like a cop-out thing. It's not like, oh, well, I'm like this. So I can't, I can't, I shan't, I won't. Um, but it's like, it's like, I get it. Like, I get myself. I get why I'm so worked up right now. Or I get why, blah, blah, blah. So we could self-soothe and we can, you know, we're parenting ourselves, right? Yes. And it's playing to our strengths. And I feel like we've been conditioned to feel like that's a dirty thing. It's a, mm-hmm. If it feels good and if it's easy, then you're lazy. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm so with you in finding my business, creating my business. It's opened up this world of self-development and deconditioning and coming to accept and love myself instead of being like, oh, my gosh. Right. Like I felt so wrong for all the ways that I would stomp into work or feel this way or that, you know, because I was living in a society that is just asking us to operate in a certain way. And and it like asks us to just push harder and stuff down your true emotions like other people don't need to know about that. And I don't think we need to be word vomiting like everything we feel and think to everyone. But for us to have understanding of ourselves and where our strengths lie and to be able to embrace those things, cultivate them and spend more of our energy and time in a lane that lights us up. And then, yes, finding the partner and the friends and the people in your village who don't mind folding the laundry, who don't mind cooking. Like, yep, my husband cooks all of our meals. I pitch in here and there or he tells me what to do to prep a little bit. But he is like the one that does that. And I don't feel badly for it because I know that there are things I'm good at that I take on that, you know, would be that are like nearly impossible for him. And just because it feels easier for me to do those things doesn't mean 
that we're energetically misaligned or something and one of us is doing so much more than the other. And and when is well, since when is the measure of like the quality of a relationship tit for tat anyway? Like right. it's like so right. archaic and yeah, it, it really truly is like what's good for me is good for everyone because the ways in which that reverberates is you can't even you can't even calculate. Like it, when you are in your zone of what feels really good, what you feel compelled to be in conversation with and create and do in the world, like when you are acting in your gift, the way you touch and serve others and yourself at the same time, like you can't tell me that's not how we're meant to live. You know what I mean? And listen, like I know, like we need everyone. We need all sorts of people. And that's the thing. There are all sorts of people that are so different. My partner is so different from me. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I just feel like from a young, young age, we just start putting on like this, like this, like these blinders, these horse blinders, these different glasses, like everything. And it just seems like the unlearning, the unschooling, the everything that you have to like take off of yourself um, is really the real work. And now the question is with this information, like how are we choosing to raise our kids? And it's just exhausting. No, I, it's, no, no. it's holy work. I, it's sacred work. I'm so grateful. And also it's exhausting. Yeah, there's a lot out there and it's, it is exhausting. I want to talk about sacred seeing. So this is the membership that you just started. And I feel like as we are talking about operating in our gifts and finding those things that light us up and also not being blind to the darker side of our gifts or our life, right? The, the gritty moments, the raw moments, the messy moments. You as a photographer and as a human being in the way you live, you just illuminate that and bring it forth so beautifully and powerfully. I would just love to hear part of your journey because I know you mentioned you had a full-time job and you're never going back to that. And so kind of like how you how you see your own journey, like how those layers started peeling off for you to get from the place of being a cog on the wheel or, you know, going through the motions of life and the ways that we have been taught that we should to being this photographic artist and this sacred vision coach who just your craft. I mean, you live your craft. It is like it's who you are. And anyone that sees your photographs and the work that you do just knows that you see people and you see the world differently. And I feel like that's a lot of what I'm feeling in the conversation that we're in too. And just, um, yeah, talking about, I know we're just mostly talking about ourselves, but like we are talking about greater, the greater humanity and people, right. Mm -hmm. And living in their truth and in their darkness, but also in their light. So just how that came to be where you started shedding those layers of who you thought you should be to getting down to the current version of your truth, at least as it exists now. Gosh, there's just so much there. It's, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't unhappy in my job. You know, there's like one of those things where I worked at a creative photo studio. It was in my quote unquote wheelhouse. Like I was doing what I went to school for. But I would still, if I had like a doctor's appointment in the morning when I would be in the cab on the way to work, 
I'd be looking at people longingly, like in cafes, reading books or having coffee. And I'm like, but like, you have more life than I do. And I liked my job. And I, I was fortunate to have my job, quote unquote, fortunate. And um, yeah, I just like, wow, if I could get the Sunday scaries and feel that FOMO it, while in a job that I actually like and enjoy being at, like, what does that mean? Like, what is that? Um, so I, you know, all those years I was there, I would go and on the weekends I would do my own work, but you know, you're tired. Like it, the pace in which you would accelerate and deepen into your own work whilst having the full-time job is, is a very different situation than if you're doing it full-time. And uh, I ended up getting laid off like two weeks into my maternity leave with my second son. And, um, you know, it, it really was a gift because, you know, as life gets more complicated and you have more little humans to provide for, it gets easier and easier to like stay on that wheel that you're at, knowing that it's not bad. It's someone once told me um, it doesn't have to be wrong for it not to be right. And it stuck with me so deeply forever because it wasn't wrong, but it wasn't right. And so once I was laid off I was like I'm definitely going to go all in on what's important to me and um way more important than getting laid off uh really the catalyst for my business in the way that it exists right now is my dog Tyson that passed very very suddenly uh around that time and you know I was so he it's the first I mean he was my child we had him before we had kids so of course it really really felt like a child extra and um you know all my life I've always been so afraid of death without having any personal experience with ever since I was a little girl and I don't know why so my work my photography I've always photographed with a very heavy trigger finger like like a squirrel, like putting acorns in its mouth. Like, it's just like I shoot more than I could ever edit. And then I have them on my hard drive so that I feel like I know I could rediscover new moments when I can't. It's just like this weird thing that I've just done my whole life. And um, when he passed, it was so weird to feel like my archive functioned the way I had intended it to. Felt a little sick. <laughs> but what did surprise me what did surprise me though was that the pictures that I was going to for comfort like the pictures that really actually was any form or flavor of comforting to me was the shitty cell phone ones it was like the the ones where it's like oh I remember that it wasn't like photographs that I did of him. It wasn't like the more beautiful, stoic ones that I love of him, but like, it wasn't that. And I'm like, it's not that. It's not the point. And, and you know, those, those moments, those like really shitty cell phone pictures, whatever, are such an evidence of uh, presence. Like he was really the only thing in my life that had ever really brought me into a present, state in the way that I recognize it now like the the purest present state like I would be working on something or stressed and he would be sleeping on the couch and I'd be like oh and I just go and stick my face in his neck doesn't matter what I was doing and I would just like there you know like I would just be watching tv and look at him on the floor and I just 
would want to stop. I hurt. I loved him so much. And I thought about that all the time with him. And it was just so interesting now when I go back and I look at my archive, not only is it so beautiful to to have that presence of him there, but it was so healing and illuminating to witness myself doing that. Like if any one of us goes and looks on your camera scroll, instead of like looking at the pictures, look at the pictures as if you're looking at a stranger's phone. And like the, it makes me so emotional. Every day I just think about like, we're so hard on ourselves and we're so like, well, I'm wasting my life or I'm not, I could have done more for the kids. I could just like, look at the way you care for your life. through the pictures you take. Like it's, it truly is an active meditation. It's like, it allows you to like shift your seat of consciousness and like witness yourself. Like, is there in your photo scroll is you're like, oh, wow, I, all these pictures are like this. And it, it's not it feels like a gap. Like, I don't feel really fulfilled by that. That's telling you something. It's information. It's like helping guide you towards a more intentional life. It's not something to shame about. It really is like this tool, especially for those of us that struggle with meditation and sitting there in the nothingness. It's a really lovely way to like tap into our subconscious in a more active, like stimulating way. I don't know how I got here, but I did. It's <laughs> like a window to your soul. I, the, the way you're describing, you know, photographs. And I am not a photographer. Mostly I, Mike got me a DSLR not, 10 years ago, a Nikon D40. And I was yeah. going to be, I was like, I'm going to be a photographer because I, I mean, that's one of the things when you and I met. I mean, I love, love like everything about you. And again, I just feel like we are like just so wildly similar and just how we view the world and how, oh, how our feelings rise up and like what they mean, oh. what they're attached to and the intensity yeah. of them. Because I every time I hear you talk about photographs and the, you know, when I see your work, whether it's the as you say, the shitty cell phone ones, which they're still not shitty because you just like, you know, you just have a way. <laughs> Um, or your or your photographs. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's just, oh, it takes my breath away, you know. And it it is, um, it's how I feel too. I'm kind, I'm, I have a heavy tr. I don't even know how many hundreds of thousands of photos I have in my phone. I'm taking them constantly, and like you, always was so scared. Still am so scared of death, even though I have never had a really confronting uh, experience with it. You know, I have people who I'm close with who have lost their immediate family people that, but like, I've, I'm always terrified of dying or of losing someone. And I, I, I've had that thought of like, chronicle it, photograph it mm -hmm. in such a way that if and when I need to go back to this, like there's so much for me to live within in these memories. Mm -hmm. Um. But I think that that's the funny part is that we do it like with that intent, like we do it like for the memories. But like what is one of the most important things that I find urgent to like communicate is that I really, truly feel like it's up, it, the photographs that is secondary, the the memory, like the remembering and the, the respite idea of going to them. It's what is happening now is how you're seeing and experiencing more of your life now through that through that exercise through that compulsion through respecting your impulse and that's also why 
you know, just recently, actually, really recently, I had a little bit of a meltdown myself. And I was like, it's not a bad, it really, truly is not the photographs. Like I found whenever someone would describe me and would be like, oh, yeah, and your greatest passion, the photographs. I'm like, it's not, though. It's not. It's not. And I'm like, why do I feel like I need to combat that? Like, what is it? And it's just like, I realized it's it's the commitment to see because I felt that same flavor like when I took my NLP certification and it's because it's like a different modality to be able to see, see more of your life, see more available to you, see what's actually more for you now, now, now. So you can live from that place. Like one of the scariest sentences in the language of life is I wish I would have known at the time. It's like, oh, yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I feel too like part of why I don't know if you could tell me if this is correct or not. But I feel like part of why you feel like you have to combat that, like, no, it's not just the pictures. It's such a deeper meaning is we live in a time when we are so bombarded and it's so oversaturated, edited and manipulated images to portray something that isn't true, right? It's Mm -hmm. the highlight reel. It's the posed photos that make something look in such a way that like, is that really the soul of your family though? Is that portrait really, really portraying the truth of what happens in your home and in the walls of your home and in the beating of your heart? And nine times out of 10, what I see on the internet and everywhere else, at least, is like, no, no, it's this falsified, uh, there's another word I can't think of, right? And a glamorized, maybe, you know, idea. And I think it's great to have some of that too. Like, this is what we look like in my dreams or like when yes. we are at our very, very best. We do have this element. But when it's the only thing that's shared and it's shared without the grit and without the darker side of, of life, which is what makes us human. What It's what helps us to connect is to know all the parts. I feel like, I don't know, do you feel that that's sometimes what you're combating? It's like, no, 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 no. I'm not like what, what you see out there. I'm not like what's all over Instagram or TikTok or anywhere else. Like, I am about what's true and what's real. Or do you not feel, de- def- like, I feel defensive for you. And that's like, <laughs> I, you know, the defense doesn't lie there. When I think about, when I think about that, I think about how it's still just more information for you. I think. You know, if if those are the only pictures that you're taking and that you have, like your your reaction to that and, mm. you know, is the only thing that matters and is the only thing that's going to like lead you one way or another. Like, of course, we all want the picture where we're all looking at the camera. Of course, we all want that picture. Um, but I think that where we get a little bit lost is that we forget that not every picture we take is meant to be shared or have the possibility of sharing or should be something we want to remember. You know, there's a very real pull to document, you know, the stuff that is something that people would be like, why would you ever want to take a picture of that? When I was the most, I was sobbing. I took a selfie in my Ted dog's bed, like when I got home, like sobbing. I don't know why. I'll, I never want to see that picture at right at this point. But I know it's there if I end up wanting to see it or just I know it's there because I felt like it was such a 
crazy, important, traumatic event of life, it needed to be documented. Like I, I was in a, a group once with uh, this woman and she had said, I was like talking about stuff like this. And she's like, I, I would trade every, cause like every holiday she had like the picture of her kids and their outfits and the blah, blah, blah. She, I would trade every one of them for one of them sitting in their jammies at the breakfast table. And, you know, breaks, it just breaks my heart. And, um, you know, that, that's really what we're talking about. It's like, there's no, I don't have any judgment around like a good filter. That's what makes you feel good. Whatever makes you feel good, whatever makes you happy and excited. I think where the scary part is, is when that's all we're looking at mm-hmm. and we're not really looking out for ourselves in the way of the dimensionality of our lives and the way in which we could use this freaking thing that sits with us all the time mm-hmm. to help heal and validate ourselves. Like I took pictures when I was in my worst postpartum, like the deepest, most horrible place I've ever been mentally in my life. Like I took pictures from then and I see like, I, I see the pictures that I took to send family of like, here's me and my new baby and that vacant smile on my face is so disturbing yeah and and the pictures that I have of me at three in the morning taking a selfie of me horrified miserable whatever I have such compassion for that version of myself and I had never felt compassion for myself like that I had never you know like it's just such a portal to to healing in more ways than we'll ever know and the only way we could access that and have that remembrance because our brains are human and we forget a lot of things yeah um is to document it yeah especially for adhd we really oh, especially. We really need <laughs> i think that's part of it for me too it's like i don't remember um but <laughs> digressing from a humorous little insert there um I feel like so much of what you are getting at and saying too is like, it's not just the documenting that helps you to see. It's not just about, you know, feeling into the moments that are calling for a photograph, but it's in the reflection thereafter where you're saying you found that compassion for yourself in your postpartum. Like it wasn't really in the moment you took that photo. It was looking back on it. And then seeing something differently. So I'd love to hear you talk about that a bit. I agree with that. And I also think that the the empowerment starts in that moment. Like mm-hmm. the fact to listen to your impulse to take a picture of something that traditionally you'd be like, what are you even doing? Like, you know, and I'll see sometimes on Instagram, like someone that's sharing something really powerful and putting themselves out there vulnerably. Like, and someone will be like, why are you taking a video of yourself crying? It's like, mm-hmm. like I am so sorry that that is where you're coming from in this moment. Like mm-hmm. witnessing someone in that way. Like, mm-hmm. that, she, honestly, she did that video for you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. Oh, I think that sometimes like, I mean, has anyone ever looked in the mirror crying before? Like, it's just, it's horrifying. It's yeah. scary. Like, yeah. it's really but it's so important. Mm-hmm. It's just so, so critically important. And and I think that, once again, it's not about the photograph, the after point. It's about what happens in that moment. It's the responding to that impulse. It's like, I respected my impulse. I don't know why. I followed my intuition. I didn't have a reason against popular consensus. 
I took that photograph. And like that is power. And then what happens afterwards is overflowing as well. Um, I think that what you're getting at and having those available to make that meaning and see that connection later and to feel that and enable that healing, that's also another huge portal to bringing your nostalgia to now Mm -hmm. because it's like, oh my gosh, like that wisdom that I have now and that compassion that I have now, perhaps in another version of life, I wouldn't have gotten until I was like 70 years old. Who knows? I don't know. But I, but this modality of like, here I'm in a moment, I'm going to separate myself by putting this in between me. But somehow I see it like a home video and now I'm even more present from it and not vilifying this because, and saying you're not present just because you're taking a picture, which that that is what I contend with. Um, and then what happens with that picture afterwards? It just keeps giving. It just keeps giving and giving and giving. And um, yeah, I, it's just magic. It is like a magic power that like most of us have. Yeah. Would you say, um, so for people who are looking to see themselves and see their lives, even the darker parts as more sacred, would you say it starts then with following your intuition and following your impulses. So if you were to give that, like, here's how I, my simplified, boiled down version, which I know is hard for us to do, um, <laughs> of seeing your life in this sacred way, mm-hmm. this these are the couple of big bullet points. Like, these are the things I really would encourage you to feel into and to practice. I think this conversation where we started around self-discovery is huge. I mean, working with someone like you, like, you are an embodiment of stuff like you you illuminate options bef- where I don't even realize there's an option sometimes like let me see if the picture I'll cry again <laughs> like you know just like all of that all of that you know getting in your body yoga uh, NLP neuro-linguistic programming like that has been a huge turning point for me and now it's infused in everything I do in that um you know because NLP, basically, long story short, we create our world with our words. And when we are presenting something as an issue, like if someone came to me with a, a problem, something that they think is holding them back in life, we, one, always assume that there is a greater, simpler underlying structure, like an iceberg that's going on. And that is just a presenting symptom. And it's connected to many different parts of your life. And there's a very simple core to it. And also, NLP is not about, it's not about advice. It's not about, it's all redirecting the person to their subconscious. It's assuming the person already knows they're just not looking. So, you know, your neural pathways, uh, you have the same thought where creatures of habit, like slippery slope, slippery slope, slippery slope. And neuro-linguistic programming asks questions in a way that, uh, you know, quantum linguistics, it makes you squint your eyes and listens for what you're not saying as much as it's listening for what you are saying. And then with a practice like that, it opens your horizon. It it enables you to view not just your map, but the territory at a grander scale. So then you can resource yourself appropriately. So then you can see, oh, hey, this is what is playing out. And now I see it in all these areas of my life. It's, it's not good or bad. It just is. Do I want to make a change here does that not align with me anymore and then and then move on from that you know so it's like pick your own adventure you know 
any way that redirects you to yourself, any activity, any whatever is always going to help deepen your vision. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, photography just is one of my absolute favorite versions of that. Um, but yeah, I think that, and, and also I do want to say that just because you're seeing a moment that you're like, oh, this could be a picture. You don't even have to take the picture. Like, don't turn it. Don't let this be another pressure cooker in your life. Nice. Like, now I have to take a million pictures. If that, if you are not the type of person that actually enjoys that, then don't. But like, just having that thought of like, mm-hmm. sometimes I see. I mean, a million times a day I see that, and I don't take a picture because I just, you know, sometimes that's all I needed from that moment. But just having that awareness is huge. Yeah, that's presence. Presence. Yeah. Where did you where did you acquire that wisdom of like of calling out like, hey, this doesn't feel good or or like the permit you're so big on permission, giving yourself permission to XYZ. And I'm serious, like there's so many times in which you said something and I'm like, oh, neuropathway. I've like societal norm, uh, be a good girl, like Mm -hmm. don't make waves growing up. It's like, oh yeah, I have a choice there freaking realize I had a choice where did you acquire that I don't know girl I don't know because I was the same way growing up I was like oh I just wanted to be the good girl you know I didn't want to get in trouble I was a people pleaser up until I started my business it was it was becoming miserable enough I think trying to live life in the lane that I thought that I should and getting so angry about it. And I was a te- I was a Montessori teacher. Like I, I did love so many components of my work. I love those children. I loved connecting with them. I love nurturing them. I love mm-hmm. seeing them light up. So like, I don't mean to say like, you know, every <laughs> my yeah. existence was miserable, but it was the like, you know, the schedule and all these different components aside from the person connection um, that really didn't align for me. And then... I think it was just feeling this sense of freedom when I finally did step away, when I finally did put that job down and gave myself a chance. You know, my husband, too. It's not like I hold myself up by my bootstraps completely. I'm like, I, you know, financially support my entire family. Like, I was very lucky. Mike then eventually was in a place to be like, okay. Yeah, give this a try. So, um, but it was in me being able to step into the truth that was meant for me. I think, you know, you and I talk a lot about human design and I do mention it. I haven't had a human design episode yet on the podcast, but I mention it a lot. And so I'm a manifester and I'm supposedly here to start movements, to grant permission, to be a natural leader, to initiate. I'm here to initiate things. And so I, it's like, I really believe it's just a part of my wiring. And it's like, it's not this conscious thing, really. It's just what comes out of my mouth. Or it's just, you know, the way that I move now that I have taken myself out of a lane and a life that wasn't supporting my nature, right? Of contrast. Any, of that. Yes. Any human design people, right? We live in a sacral world that's for generators and manifesting generators, people who are doing and built to respond and you kind of go, go, go in a different way. Manifestors were 9% of the population and were built to rest and then to initiate creative urges. And you're resting most of the time. 
And so like living in a place and a society and working in a field where you're not allowed to listen to your body and rest, like I got so angry about that, that I think then pulling out and being able to create my life and my work around my natural rhythm, like I'm three or four months into a rest cycle right now. I don't know what the fuck is happening. I'm reading lots of books. I've kind of just let I've let all clients finish. I'm not advertising anything that I'm doing. I'm, you know, I'm doing a few things to make money, but I'm not, I'm not in a big creation mode. And I'm just allowing for that because I also trust like, yeah, okay, whenever this is through, like you're going to have a whole lot to share with the world and birth again. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's my long multifaceted going in a million directions answer. It's another, um, it's from, yeah. Full circle moment though, is what we said is like in the beginning of the conversation with like, What's best for you is best for everyone. Like you could never understand how that reverberates. Like just you saying like, oh, permission to, you know, whatever. Like I carry that with me everywhere. And like, and then once I start doing that, like how does that, you you just could never know. And uh, it shouldn't be that easy, right? To like have such an impact on the world, but it it is when it's Mm -hmm. honest. Yes. And I live my life like, feeling so stupid like in school because I couldn't put all my energy towards writing the thing I was naturally gifted at I had to just suffer for hours on end to fail at math tutor Mm -hmm. after tutor I mean I just had you know and like in the remedial math classes and still D's and F's on my test just barely skating by with C minus on the report card that's where my hours went not towards perfecting my craft And I got and like, again, like you just you live with that and you're like, this isn't right. And that's what drove me into being a Montessori teacher, too, is like Montessori education is about following the child. It's a holistic approach, looking every facet of the human being and then saying, yeah, what does light you up? Because you do want to be proficient in certain areas. Sure. And that's what we're going to allow you to be. So if math is not your thing we'll get you to where you need to be and you'll work at it leisurely at whatever pace. But then if you're going to change the world with programming, engineering, writing, like whatever, you know, humanitarian things, like that's where children get to spend their time. So that's what got me so into Montessori too, is I think I was trying to heal a wound and fix something that, you know, I dealt with a lot of my life that didn't make sense to me. And now I've just left the school institution while I love and support Montessori in every single way. Working Mm -hmm. as a teacher didn't support me in every single way. And Mm -hmm. so I've taken so much of what meant a lot to me. And now I just bring it to grown women, often from my computer in my bed, because that's where I like to work. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. We do have a lot in common. That's pretty crazy. I just realized I knew that about you with the teaching, but like I also like, oh, just now with the way I redid my original membership to Sacred Seeing, I was creating these programs that um, absolutely love, like pieces of my soul. But also it's like I was offering them in a way that I loved to digest. I loved to consume for others. But I'm like, but wait, how do I want to be in my life like it's just like it wasn't it it didn't make sense so that's why there's such a huge co-working element now in this is thing that I'm doing because I'm like that serves me and normally I'm very claustrophobic in terms of like commitments like if there's anything on my calendar I'm like 
<laughs> I don't want to do nothing, but I don't want to have to do anything. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, but it, when I know that it involves like a very specific strain of my work or my this or my topic of whatever, like I'm excited by it. So there we go. Like curating our lives according to like what feels good and then what comes of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I feel like you and I could just talk all night, but we won't. <laughs> so I feel like um, you bringing up the Sacred Seeing membership is actually a great place for us to kind of wrap because I would love to give you the time to let people know where to find you, what kinds of offerings you have. Before we go there, though, my last question for you that I asked everybody on the Little Scraps of Magic podcast is... oh. <laughs> You'll like it. You'll cry, okay. probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's, what is a little scrap of magic in your life right now? A little scrap of magic in my life. Uh, I'm going to say a book. A book that I'm reading that like brings me to tears every morning. It's Mark Nepo's uh, Drinking from the River of Light. Mm. Yeah. You and showed this to me last week. Our sons are in an improv theater class together. It sounds much snootier than it is. It's not yes, just yeah. Um, um, yeah, Bianca showed me this book last week. I need to get it. So yeah, why is that so magical to you? It's so magical to me because it it you know this you come across like people or works of art or a school of thought or whatever that it just feels like it at, at the very same time it's just like oh my gosh I'm I can't even believe this is so incredible but but also I'm reading it. And knowing that I already know this, you know, like it's just like the weirdest experience ever. You just feel like, oh, I was alive in a past life. And, you know, or I don't know, it's just so strange. Um, but it's it's all about living a life of self-expression. And I started reading this book after I launched this, the new membership, Sacred Seeing. Um, and to me, Sacred Seeing, yes, of course, like there's like a momentum that will happen from your creating and being around other people that, you know, have these similar, you know, places that they come from in their life and in their selves. But, but really this living in creation mode, like week after week, no matter what we're working towards, when that's done, when that's not, like, it's just, there's no end to it. He called, he called poetry embodied perception of our experience and our, our rating around. And that's exactly what it is. Like just being able to have a place to come to uh, every week because it's on the calendar, because it exists, because it's there and it's not, you're not allowed to ignore it. Like even if you don't go, it's just like, you know, that that was there for you. That was like a space yeah. saved for you. I even say like in the sales video for it, the product video, I'm like, even if you choose that week to come downstairs because your family knows you have that meeting and you don't actually call in because you just want to yeah. fucking nap more power to you like the point of it is like to give yourself the space to be in whatever creation whatever it is like literally if you came and you read for the hour by yourself and you're like your kps um yeah that's just something that's really really resonant for me because i believe that once we get take our eyes off of prize quote unquote Mm -hmm. once we take our our mind off of like this craving of this human, very human, normal craving of like validation and recognition and achievement and whatever. Yeah. Um, we're left with what actually matters because 
it really is the experience that matters. So yeah, all of my, I've, I, I have a couple of courses. I have, you know, one-on-one coaching for NLP processing. Uh, but right now my new like love child thing with myself is a uh, sacred seeing, which is the monthly membership for creatives. Thank yeah. you for asking. That's a kind of course. And that's like rolling. Is that right? People can yeah. come in at any time. Yeah. Awesome. So if you just send me the links, I'll put your Instagram, your website, a uh, special link to the Sacred Seeing membership in the show notes. So anyone who is listening, you can find Bianca in those places. And I get to find Bianca just in my life all the time. I get to find <laughs> you in a few days at the Fine Arts Association where our children are running so around. Happy. Like one Dalmatians. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for having me, Seth. This is mm. such an honor and a privilege. And I'm just so grateful for you in my life and what you're putting out to the world now with your podcast. Oh, thank you so much for coming. I love you so much. I wish we could like have three hour long episodes. I don't know if anyone would finish them, but I That's plugged to just keep recording us <laughs> talking. So one day we will. Yeah, one day we will. <laughs> All right. I love you and everyone else. Until next time, keep looking for those little scraps of magic. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. It's such an honor to be invited into your space. If you love today's show, subscribe and leave a review so you don't miss a thing. And if you're looking for more in-depth support in your life, if you're seeking to be held and inspired for your growth, I do offer one-on-one EFT or tapping sessions, spiritual life coaching, and other group programs. I always am talking about these on my Instagram, which is Steph, S-T-E-P-H dot Traska, T-R-Z-A-S-K-A, and also on my website, littlescrapsofmagic.com. So please wander over to either of those platforms and see how I can support you more deeply. Until next time, keep looking for those little scraps of magic. Thank you.